0: I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. And, you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game?
1: Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Do you believe in yes. Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. About a talk
2: show host. this is in the booth talk show host that's good <laughs> i think i'd be good at that i talk to people all the time with matt park and welcome in the booth everybody it is a tuesday we got the monday feeling though got through monday yesterday at the expense of Harold Baines. I kind of feel bad. It's, I don't. It's not that I want Harold Baines out of the Hall of Fame. It's just a matter of if he's in, then they're going to need an expansion. And I love Cooperstown. I love the Hall of Fame. I don't really want to see big backhoes and all the stuff they're going to have to do down there to let in all the people there. How about we just open a wing and solve Yeah. The Annex. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame part 2 Uh... I'm friends with the guy who literally lives next door to the Hall of Fame. Literally, it's the next house. And there's an open lot in between that now is going to have to be the Harold Baines Hall of Fame wing, like the the addition, because of the dozens of people that are now going to have to be in the Hall of Fame because Harold Baines is.
1: Do you think this opens to the floodgates, or this was just a mistake?
2: Well, you can't really call it a mistake, although, pause on that for a second, we'll come back. They're doing it willingly. There's a lot of people sitting around in the room, and but it's a flawed process. That's what a lot of people will talk about. I saw a quote from Tony LaRussa, who was Harold Baines' manager early in Baines' career, and he said, well, we got sitting around talking about the best players of the 80s and 90s, and he was on the top four or five of all those lists. Okay, maybe compiling numbers over the period of time that you laid out, but he was a really good player. I'm not trying to take away from Harold Baines in the Hall of Very Good, but was he among the cream of the like the best player in the league at any time? No, was did he basically his whole career? He never led the league in anything. He led the league in slugging percentage one year. Um, he was not. You know, I'm not going to do yesterday's show again today. He only won twice, I guess, finished in the top ten in MVP voting. That's just not enough. Not enough. And doesn't mean he's a bad person. I'm sure he's a tremendous person. Six-time All-Star. He was touched by the honor as well he should. Congratulations to him. Absolutely fantastic for Harold Baines. But if Harold Baines is going to be in, then now we need to put a lot of other people in. And yesterday we listed the former chief, the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff's got to be in the Hall of Fame if if Harold Baines is in. So that's neither here nor there. That's how we got through yesterday's show. Today we're getting through the show today because of the just miserable start that I've had to the day. It's carried over right till now. Now I got to see you, Polly. So it's not getting any better. What's wrong, Matt? So just we're putting up the curtain here. Part of my routine, two three days a week. Everybody, we air those orange slices at five o'clock, right? Yes. Well, sometimes I do them the night before coming off an event. I might go from a basketball game back to the office. Knock out one of those and it's ready to go for the next morning. Might come in from a coach's show. Might do one just during the day, depending on what the subject matter is. Last night I had uh, last class with the young minds. Uh, get back to the office around 8.30. Think, all right, I'll knock out this orange slice that I'm working on with Andre Schmidt. Be ready to go for tomorrow. Computer is going at like the pace of you know sap being poured out of a jar in January. Not going to happen. So that happens once in a while at our office. I know that it will remedy itself. It's just the computer's not working right now. Walk away. So go home, get involved with other things. So then what I often do, probably three days a week, I come in in the morning, dress like a slob, somewhere between 7 and 8.30, grab a hot beverage and a bagel along the way, get my stuff done, maybe knock out a few emails, maybe get some uh, loose thoughts together for this show. And then maybe I'm done with that by 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I go back home, and I get ready to maybe face the world. So, come in today, computer had overstar- uh, restarted overnight. I don't love that, but at least in theory, now everything should run smoothly uh, and at the proper speed. So, it's running at proper speed, except now i got to reopen all this stuff I had, and including the, you know, you know the production world, Probably I was um, you know, halfway done with it or close to halfway done with it yesterday and had to walk away I get it back. Boom, boom, boom. Do the open, the close. Snipping it. Okay, all right. Get it to time. I am 30 seconds away from finishing this thing. 30 seconds, maybe two minutes tops. I got like one more edit, mix the sound. Boom! It's like, you know, six clicks. And then the computer was a little slow. It's kind of squirrely. I'm not going to go all... uh. Adobe audition on the people and, and explain what was going on, but you would recognize it probably is something that pops up just once in a while when you're having some uh, editing issues. The computer was in a little bit of a bad mood, and then wham! Blue screen restarting. Did it give you the the sad face blue screen? Not that There's no sad face. I, I tweeted it. I got a little reaction. Nothing. Uh, no, not I didn't even one? have that. But I got the, the sign that says... It's basically the GFY of screens where it says, um and it's kind of rubbing it in. I'll, I'll give him credit for being honest about it. It says, working on updates, don't turn off your PC, this will take a while. Which is kind of <laughs> rubbing it in, you know, for me.
1: I've your, never seen that one.
2: Your PC will restart several times. And I'm thinking, well, damn, it just restarted last night. How, how often do we need to restart this thing? So then we get in and we're at... um So here's the first screen restarting, working on updates, 1%. Now I think, well, what can I do? So I'm inept without my computer just like everybody else. I could have used the time to clean my office, but I probably couldn't relax enough to even do that. I say, you know what? I got uh, some checks to deposit at the bank. I'm going to run to the bank around the corner and get that done while I'm waiting for this thing to fire up because I know it's going to be at least 20 minutes and maybe 45 Go to the bank, do the thing, pop all the buttons, boom, 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 boom. Load up. I got a bunch of checks to go in. Check deposit. Pfft. Sorry, we can't accept your checks today. <laughs> Think, oh, that must have been a mistake. Maybe it's because I stacked them instead of put them in one at a time. Let's try this again. Do, 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 do. Nope, can't take your checks today. So I know that's a first world problem. I know I sound like a jerk right now. The blue
1: but, screen is following you around. Yeah,
2: well, that's a good way to put it. So now we get back to the uh, and Higgins by this point's in the office. So I've got a little bet with him, like what percentage is the uh computer gonna be at when I get back. So I went around the corner of the bank, come back. I think probably by now it's like twenty three percent. Now I'm texting friends, I got this going on. What now we get up to like forty five minutes in, I'm at something like forty three percent. It's going one percentage point a minute. Then I think, oh you know what, one of the things that's on my list is uh I wonder if I can get my hair cut this week or next. So I text the girl who cuts my hair. You know what? Come in at 11.30, she says. I said, okay, well, maybe I can get something accomplished (laughs) today. But now 11.30, now I need this computer deal to remedy itself in the next couple of minutes so I can get this piece of work done because I want to have that on the FTP for all of our affiliates, certainly by noon at the latest. I like to have it done the night before. So picking up percentage, I'm at like 75, the thing's restarting, it's dipping to black and whatever, Uh, comes back out, restarts. Long story short, slam the piece together, uh, have her, you know, having to bring it all back to life and figure it out somehow. Get the Andre Schmidt FTP in there for all the world. So go listen to that at 5 o'clock today on the Ax Show. Uh, you can hear that wonderful piece of radio production, the Andre Schmidt orange slice. That gets up out the door for the haircut. Got a f- sandwich that I really like. That's been the highlight of the day, and then back to the office for just a bunch of emails that have kicked me in the teeth. So that's what I've done up until this point today, and I'm still dressed. By the want- way, still dressed like a slob. Didn't go at this point. I'm not going to go home, and whenever I got to go meet a student after this, I can give you the rest he's of the day off. He's in for a world of hurt. He, do
1: you want the next fifty minutes off? We can shut this down. I
2: appreciate it. Go to is Stephen that, A. Smith. <laughs> is that in the offing? Is that? I never knew we could actually do that. Once I've come this far, we might as well do it.
1: I had we got a su- Cam
2: Lynch coming up. You're gonna uh, let me just say this quickly. I'm sorry, not not to cut you off, but just to at the risk of sounding like a, a jerk. Further, I am fully aware that, that these are first world problems, and my part. So the you know, lady cutting my hair, it's like, yeah, well, my you know, husband has to have surgery. I'm like, okay, my problems aren't
1: that bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, I'll get over it. You're you're gonna double hate this story because it shows how much of a child I am. I was given a video game. From our secret Santa for my PlayStation Four, two days ago, and it kept. You have to install the discs on the games now, and it kept installing till ninety, like five percent, and then error. It would say an error occurred, so it took me forty eight hours to get this game installed on my PS Four, and I was furious and wanted to throw it out. But it, but it it doesn't. It didn't affect work or anything. No, it's just. It just kept saying it. You want to tear your hair out. Yeah. So I, the, you know what the remedy was that I did? I took the disc out and wiped it yeah. with a With a paper towel. That's what we did worked. back in the original Nintendo.
2: You overheat <laughs> you the thing. It. I'll turn it down for a second. You take it out, blow it up, you know.
1: I know people that used to keep their Nintendo cartridges in the freezer. That's and gross. And said it worked better.
2: That's risky. I wouldn't want to risk the moisture.
1: I don't know I don't know I'm gonna have to
2: google that you must really be working that thing to overheat <laughs> it I would say if you if you have to start it in the freezer but yeah. I remember yeah when you'd get that little the screen would go crazy it meant it was either overheated or wasn't making a great connection you'd take it out you'd air it out maybe with the vacuum cleaner I think people might have taken in there a little bit and then uh, pop it back in or even sometimes you'd have to drill jam it in you kind of slide it this way and bang just give it a little pop down to uh, mm-hmm. make for a, a crisp connection there uh, a couple of shout-outs today. First to a friend of the show, Jason Stark. We have uh, Jason on once a year or so. Uh, awesome dude, Syracuse grad, Syracuse basketball fan. He has been uh, honored with the J.G. Spink Award. Uh, that is, for baseball writers, the equivalent of uh, what we talk about on the broadcast side, the Ford C. Frick Award. So uh, he's been named as the top uh, you know, long and meritorious career for uh, Baseball writers, and uh, nobody deserves it more. Does an awesome job. He's been at it for a long time. Survived the uh, ESPN layoffs of recent and uh, is thriving at the uh, the athletic. He is uh, a tremendous person, and we couldn't be happier for uh, Jason Stark, so he'll be honored at the Hall of Fame ceremony with Harold Baines and company next year. I would say Jason Stark... I, I, no, I'm not going to back up. I just I don't want to go in on Harold Baines. Jason Stark is clearly... He's over the bar. He didn't need like a special committee or anything to get in.
1: Yeah, he's a no-brainer.
2: No-brainer, first ballot.
1: (laughs) Not the Harold Baines of writing.
2: No, (laughs) no. That'd be like if we woke up someday and hey, got a call from the Hall of Fame. Like if I if I got a call, like I did a lot of minor league baseball broadcasting. If they called me tomorrow and said, "Hey, you won the Ford Frick Award," I would say, "That's awesome. I'll see you there, and I'm I'm so excited and honored." But I would feel like the Harold Baines.
1: Would you take it?
2: I mean, come on. It's a completely, completely uh, ridiculous scenario. But, um, yeah.
1: It, see, this is where I struggle with the Harold Baines thing. Like, there's there got to well, be what's a part he gonna do? of him.
2: Yeah, he can't turn it down. What are you talking about?
1: I know, but there's got to be part of him that, that is like, no, I shouldn't do this. Yeah. Right? Like, like he reads our, He reads the newspaper.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, that's That's got to be pretty rough, though. And uh, that's that's a shame. But is, if it that's rough? Happening.
1: is it rough people saying you're not a Hall of Famer? Like, you're uh, not among the... Elite, you're still uh, no. One of the I best. understand,
2: but it's it's still something you don't want your family to deal with, and you know all the excitement. And, uh, and the other person that deserves uh, some praise, we haven't talked about it enough. Andre Cisco, by the way, has been on a lot of these All America teams too, uh, and certainly on freshman All America teams as a, a safety that in his first year in college football had seven interceptions. So he's done great work. But Andre Schmidt is uh, setting a new bar here. Not only the top kicker in the country this year, the Lou Groza award winner but uh, because he's popping up on all of these all-america teams he is the first consensus all-american in syracuse football program history since uh, dwight freeney back in uh, 2001 here were his remarks upon uh, winning the groza award last week
1: it's been unbelievable i mean starting as the second
2: string in fall camp and then going out winning the job and then getting a scholarship halfway through the season i mean it's been an unbelievable journey like i've It's been crazy. Could you have imagined this at the beginning of the season? No, never. It's unbelievable. I have to give thanks to God, me, my family, friends, for supporting me and believing me through all this. I mean, my coaches, teammates, they put me in great
1: opportunities on the field. And the Lou Girls Committee for selecting me for this award.
2: And so congratulations to uh, Andre Schmidt, who seems to have a respectful tone about uh, all that's happened to him here, a guy that went from a walk-on to uh, an opportunity, to thriving in that opportunity, to getting a scholarship, and now to winning all the awards for it. And uh, one more game coming up a couple weeks from this Friday. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back with uh, Cameron Lynch in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance here on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance in your corner. Welcome back, everybody, as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio here in central New York. Mike Waters coming up on Thursday's show. Mike's uh, got a story out that we uh, have kind of alluded to over the course of the week about the most clutch Syracuse basketball players ever. Certainly Tyus Battle after winning another game against uh, Georgetown this past weekend. Deserves some recognition on that list and uh, good discussions to be had by all in that area. So we'll get into that uh, with Mike later in the week. Football Now, we welcome in Cam Lynch at his normal spot there. Tampa Bay Buccaneers concluding a three-game homestand with a loss this past weekend against the Saints. And uh, Cam, welcome to the show. How are things?
3: Things are great, man. Things are great. Uh, just getting ready for this week. Uh, get ready for Baltimore. Uh, like you said, man, putting the Saints to bed and, uh, and get ready for the next week coming up. That's
2: so right. You beat the Saints on the road to open the season. They went out and they've had a tremendous uh, start to the year. Stumbled a little bit of late. What made uh, the difference this past Sunday?
3: Yeah, man, it's you know what they 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 came out swinging, man. Uh, hats off to that team. Uh, they got something special going on, and, uh, and they showed it this past weekend. Um, you know, we we started off strong during the, uh, the first half, and the second half they came back, and showed you know the type of team that they are. So, uh, like I said, it was a great it was a great one. Uh, you know, and just get ready for this upcoming week coming up.
2: You know, this is the case in the NFL. You're gonna run into you know, a lot of it determines what kind of quarterback's on the other side. And in your division alone, Cam, you see Drew Brees twice a year. You've been able to beat him once. You see Matt Ryan twice a year. You uh, had the game in Chicago that didn't go well. You had the game against uh, Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh early in the season. You've seen Cam Newton uh, twice a year or will. And now you uh, run into a, a team that looks like it's in transition in terms of Quarterback with Joe Flacco uh, apparently being put out to pasture uh, here this season, and Lamar Jackson coming on. W- what have you seen on, on film from uh, Lamar Jackson and his development, and, and uh, the issues that he presents for you?
3: Oh man, true speed, uh, quickness. I mean, I feel like at Syracuse we got we you know we got a sense of his his abilities as well. So um, you know we're going to keep him in a pocket, just like uh, Cam Newton or any other running co- quarterback that they run that zone uh then that option look so we're gonna keep them uh in the in the pocket uh kind of like you know kind of playing like we did the panthers really uh just shut down shut down their run game shut down the pass game uh we should be good to go i know they're gonna play action a lot because of the young quarterback so uh we'll be we, we prepared prepare for that but uh we'll prepare kind of how we did for the panthers uh make sure he's in the pocket and uh, lock him down
2: kim lynch is our guest the uh bucks beat the panthers Two weeks ago, four interceptions in that game for your Bucks uh, defense. Cam and and uh, obviously, if you have something similar against a Lamar Jackson, you'd be right where you need to be in this game.
3: Yeah, most definitely, most definitely make him uh, make bad decisions, man. And uh, you know he's gonna use his legs for sure. But I think uh, if we you know we swarm him, we spy him. Uh, we should be good to go. Do you, you know, you've
2: been around the block enough now, three, four years uh, legitimately, you know, as a a special teams standout on the teams you've been on, but uh, also a fill-in linebacker here and there, and you've been in all these studies and and, uh, game plan preparations. What would you tell our listeners, the average NFL fan, that makes the biggest difference between a rookie quarterback, a guy like Lamar Jackson that's, you know, got one or two games worth of action, Versus, and forget about Drew Brees, but even just a a normal veteran guy, what what makes the difference in terms of what he hasn't learned or hasn't been exposed to yet?
3: Well, it's just the the speed, really. Um, you know, as a veteran quarterback, you've seen everything, you've seen every type of blitz, any type of uh, formation, or anything from uh, from a defense and uh, the speed, so. Uh, for a rookie quarterback, you know it's green. Um, the guys aren't as fast, and things move a little bit—you know—move a little bit faster for him. So, uh, you know, I think for the veteran quarterbacks, they just, like I said, man, they—they—they've seen everything already before. They've seen it all. It's kind of like driving almost. Uh, you know, for the rookie quarterback, they're getting that, get up, get behind that wheel for the first time in the league, and it's totally different. Uh, people are flying by them, but you know, as a veteran, you're in the car, sitting nice, uh, and you got you got some mileage on you.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. I like the analogy. Uh, Cam Lynch, I guess, the Bucks this week against uh, the Ravens on uh, Sunday at 1 o'clock. We'll turn our attention now, uh, Cam, to the bowl game as we continue preparations here. And I know the guys are just starting to get going. Coach Babers kind of referred to the 15 practices that you get for making a bowl and splitting up that time. Uh, game planning will come closer to the game, but there's also just sort of development and uh, fundamental work. Uh, what's the most important thing here between two and three weeks out to be thinking about related to the bowl?
3: Um, just ke- keeping their bodies fresh, uh, mind sharp as well, and focused. Uh, I know their minds are probably getting ready to go. On, you know, Christmas break and all that. And all their friends are going on Christmas break, but I think for for our guys, is to keep their minds sharp um, and know that you know this is a game that can you know define you know define Syracuse really and just put a stamp on a great season. So. Um, just stay focused, um, enjoy the families, enjoy the holidays, enjoy the time off, but also just be locked in on, uh, on getting that win against West B.
2: Well, when you're talking about define, there's a big difference, isn't there between nine and 10 wins when you think about how you're going to look back on that season, five, 10 and 20 years down the road.
3: Oh yeah, most definitely. And, and also too, like, right. It's more respect that comes in your name when you have that, that extra win, right? Um, guys in the locker room now from Clemson and different, different places, man, they just don't. They don't respect Hughes, and if we get that, this big win against West V. It'll be nice to actually show that, hey, we, we're not here to play around, and uh, and next year we'll come to get you.
2: One of the developments related to the bowl since the last time we spoke, Cam, was that Will Greer, the very productive quarterback for West Virginia, is the all time passing leader among active players in college football. He elected to sit uh, out the bowl game, as did uh, one of their offensive linemen. This is a trend that's come up in recent years. Wondered what you thought about it from a distance, the, the idea that it's becoming a little more common for people with pro potential to uh, sit out the bowls.
3: It's, it's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, right, you have to make a decision. Um, you know, they're grown men, and if they feel like you can make, you know, millions and millions of dollars uh, and get drafted, you know, do that. But, um, you know, for me personally, as a competitor, you know, I'm going to draft the guy so the way I think is a little bit different. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, you start a season with a with the team and your guys, I feel like you could, you should finish it off like anything else. Uh, but you know, they want to protect their assets. But me personally, I think, you know, as a guy, um, as a competitor, I fight for my team, for my guys, I think I want to see my guys finish off. So it's a great thing for Q's, man. And um, you know, we need to be prepared no, no no matter what actually. Even though he does, he's committing and going to the to the draft. we need to be prepared for their backup and um and expect all out, you know, all our effort from that West Virginia team.
2: You know, you look at the people that are on the team right now that might be in next year's draft. Cam the, the Syracuse players, and I guess we can't rule it out. But I haven't heard even a whiff of anybody at this point saying that they would consider sitting out the the bowl. And I think it gives you a little window into their background. Right? Why would Chris Slayton sit it out? He's come, he's come this far, you know, and he's probably the the most surefire, uh, you know, draft pick that that's on this team I mean either he or Eric Dungy or you know maybe a a couple other guys but nobody is for sure a a first second third rounder uh, like the typical candidates that that would maybe pass on the bowl game so it it kind of to me it's a little bit of a story of how you develop over your career and and what type of team this is because they're all you know three-star guys for the most part
3: right yeah and I, I look at it as an opportunity right um, it's an opportunity to, to put more film on tape um, to show show the world who you are I mean some of those guys probably feel like they already taking advantage of all the opportunities and you know the guy from West Virginia uh, Mr. Greer he's he like he's done that so um, you know it, it's tough man because at the end of the day I feel like you know you let down your university really I mean you let down your guys like you know you know you put that that West Virginia you know jersey on to go represent your school and those people and the last pull out I, I don't I, now that I think about it I don't know how I feel about that and Like I said, man, they're going to need all they can get at West Virginia because we're going to come with it at Q's.
2: I love it. So next week we'll talk a little more specifically about the bowl. We're not going to do shows uh, the week of the bowl because two weeks from today is Christmas, if you can believe that. But uh, next week we're going to talk about the nitty-gritty of the game cam and uh, just what kind of damage you would do with a $400 gift certificate to Best Buy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's what the guys are walking away with uh, uh, at the bowl. So you could do Yeah,
3: that's, that's a nice gift right there. I like
2: it. All right, Cam. Uh, best of luck this weekend against the Ravens. We'll uh, talk to you next week, which is also a, a men's basketball game day next uh, Tuesday. So we're looking forward to that too. All right.
3: A nice. Talk to you next week, my man.
2: All right, but that's Cam Lynch of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can follow him on Twitter at Cameron Lynch fifty at Cameron Lynch five zero. More to come as we roll along here. With in the booth, do we care on the other side of this timeout? You're questions and comments welcome by phone today if you had a computer disaster today feel free to lay it on us we'll try to have some group therapy here today 315-437-7644 this is in the booth on ESPN radio do we care interesting I doubt it no way the other thing tedious but we will do this segment anyway don't
1: care no more Brian Cashman says the Yankees are cold On Bryce Harper, says the outfield is already stacked.
2: Well, they got a lot of guys, uh, but who couldn't use Bryce Harper? If you could afford him, uh, throw him in there, and that would be a heck of a lot. But, you know, as a Yankee fan, I'd love to see Harper there. I I am a Bryce Harper fan. Uh, But hopefully they spend their money on something else that's really nice and shiny. Like pitching? Syndergaard wouldn't stink.
1: No, I'm Machado? really disappointed. Both the names mentioned in that trade that Seth mentioned, uh Realmo Yeah. Were Padres targets yeah. at, at going into the into the winter meetings. So of yeah. course they'll end up in one of the New Yorks. Uh
2: that's how it tends to work.
1: It's sad day but, for uh, small team baseball.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's what happens at the winter meetings, I'm afraid, Polly, with a lot of this uh shopping and hot stoving goes on but I, I'm ready for the Yankees to do something here what 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 is the move we've been tantalized uh, long enough um, didn't get uh, CNS product uh, Pat Corbin good for him going down to the Nationals and who's it going to be what is what's the big Christmas gift this year uh, you know it's not Stanton it's going to be blank and if it's uh, certainly any of those guys I mean Cindergard would be Incredible, uh, Machado, great Harper. Uh, well, let's see how it plays out. I'm anxious. How but do you feel to... about
1: them moving Andohar? Like, would you have an issue with? Well, that? if you get Machado, Andohar who? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
2: That's just the way it goes. Unfortunately, oh,
1: it's got to be great to be a Yankees or a Red Sox or. a well, Again, fan. we talked about
2: this last week off the air. It's not my money. Yeah, right. You know, to me, it's a. You know, I, I might go to one game a year. It's a television show. And uh, it's a show I watch on a regular basis, so I'm uh, happy for the more characters they have and the more compelling games they play.
1: Running back Le'Veon Bell, who's sitting out the season over a franchise tag dispute with the Steelers, liked the Instagram post from the Steelers' official account sharing the score of Sunday's 24-21 loss to the Oakland Raiders.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just he seems like a bad dude to me. I I don't get the whole deal here. Um, Poking the bear. Yeah, I mean, I understand what he's what he's getting at. Um, you know, you they had parameters for which you were contracted to work. You chose not to work under those parameters, and you're not part of this. To then point out, hey, you know, see how much of an impact I would have made. I think it's disrespectful to the teammates that he's leaving, and uh, whatever. I mean, the Steelers obviously felt like life would go on without him, and that they would be fine. You know, Steelers don't make the playoffs here. They'll be uh, embarrassed too. I think so. It's just uh, not a good deal all the way around.
1: Uh, Adam Autovino claims that he used to argue with one of his minor league managers. That he said if Babe Ruth was playing today, he'd hit 140 with eight home runs and he'd strike him out every time.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, obviously that's an incredible exaggeration. Uh, Babe Ruth would be a good player. He does make the,
1: he does make the point that swinging that va- that bat and. You know. True. Who's
2: to say, you're saying that he would? I mean, no, nobody uses a bat like that now. But yeah. it's, here's the here's the real thing, you know. And I don't want to get too serious in, in this segment about it. Babe Ruth is arguably the most impactful professional athlete that ever lived. And I didn't look it up. I should have. I just didn't have time. Of course, my computer crashed. If you joined us earlier in the show, <laughs> but one of your uh, I, I should do like the Daniel Baldwin fact checking segment on the show. <laughs> but he's saying, well, well. Uh, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs and the next guy had 30. No, the next guy had 12. Okay? He had more home runs than some teams. So why don't you look that up, Paulie? Why don't you go back to like uh, 1924 American League home runs. You know, who who was behind Babe Ruth? It wasn't anybody with 30, I don't think. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think. But in that time, it just was so different than today. There were no nobody throwing... 95. There were no spitters. There were Well, actually there were spitters. There were no uh, split finger pitches and sliders. Okay? 1924. Hang on, once, we'll come right back to that. And then there were no black people. There were no Dominicans. There were no, right? So any of that stuff. So you look at the, the top pitchers that there are today, and, and this is the height of pitching that there's ever been in the game. There's more guys throwing 95 and up than there ever have been, and that's going to be a problem. I don't care what era you're in, but Babe Ruth would be a much better player than that, um, also, the difference Babe Ruth was let's see what he's listed as there. I mean, Babe Ruth was like six three. You got to know where to research stuff, Paul. You're not not real good at this. He
1: um, hit forty six home runs. Roger Hornsby okay. was
2: um, fourth. Babe Ruth was like six three and two fifteen, and back then that w- was a uh, you know a mountain of a person. 2'15". Yeah, and today. You know he'd be dwarfed by the Aaron judges of the world and and whatever else. It, it is entirely a different game. But obviously, Outavino here is uh, is mistaken. Do
1: you want to take a quick uh, hiatus from Dewey Care and get a listener on the phone? Sure. John in Syracuse.
2: And if John's going to say, well, you know what I do is before I leave the office every day I restart my computer <laughs> so it has all the updates on it the next morning. Is that what you're going to say, John? No, I don't okay. use computers. Okay, that much. good. Thank you, John. <laughs> Because I uh, got one of those goody two-shoe tweets today. Well, I recently – Yeah, I wish it, had I thought of that last night when my computer also wasn't working. Maybe I'd be in a better mood today. Go yeah. ahead, John. I'm sorry.
3: Didn't uh, don't you think West Virginia threw a monkey wrench in the bowl coming up? What I mean by that, don't you think the media is going to say, well, if Syracuse if Syracuse beats West Virginia, you know. They, the only reason they won is because West Virginia didn't play their All-American quarterback and lineman. And if Syracuse loses the game, they'll get crucified for losing the game against a team without their All-American quarterback and lineman.
2: Yeah, I, I don't really think that. I think here, this bowl is a bonus. I think if they lose it, it's not that big a deal. If they win it, it takes you to 10 wins, which is historic. Um, I think the very nature of football is that you lose players. You know, we can go back and look look at some of those Doug Marone era. You know, they they won eight games in a season. There were a lot of missing players on the opposition. It just lined up. I mean, they uh, you go to Missouri. Sheldon Richardson doesn't play in the game. <laughs> That's a pretty big deal. And we don't really go back and asterisk or discount those games now. Uh, so if you win the game, you you won the game. I think it it doesn't look good. You know for West Virginia that they're you know disappointed to be in this game and all of that uh, I don't really feel like it taints the accomplishment for Syracuse I think for them to go into this situation for uh, you know West Virginias still higher rank they've got more than one or two good players um, and for the season they've had I think Syracuse go to win this game it's uh, it's a positive all the way around if you lose it you know I th- still think hey eh, you won nine games you, you got uh, got clipped at the end. We'll see. But if okay. they if they do lose it, I don't think it'll be because of the backup quarterback. You know what I mean? I, I think West Virginia now has to come up with a different game plan and 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 find a way. What I thought you were gonna ask there, John, is is it not so much of a benefit? Like I originally tweeted, Oh, Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator, can sleep now. And he can, you know, it they the backup quarterback's thrown ten passes for the year. I think it's twelve, it's ten of twelve you know, something like that. But right. He's a backup for a reason. He didn't play at any other time. It wasn't like he was 1A. Will Greer is not just good. He's an All-American caliber. He's a uh, three-, four-year starter, uh, transferred from another major program. It's a major drop-off. Now, the fact that there's an unknown, I think, creates a bit of an issue, you know, that there isn't film on him. You're not preparing against this quarterback's tendencies in the same way. So maybe I'm wrong about Brian Ward getting some sleep. But, uh, you know, I don't think it – Takes much of the value away from the bowl. Okay, thanks. takes a little fun away. There's no question about that. So thanks for the call, John. Appreciate it. Hope you'll call again. 315-437-7644 or four ESPN forty four. Takes a little fun away because you you go into it less thinking. Wow, this could be a really cool shootout. Let's see. You know, to me, it feels like another. Uh, you know, just good competitive game like we maybe saw against NC State early in the year, that type of thing.
1: Love these stories too. Before we take our break. Kid Rock paid eighty one thousand dollars in layaways at a Nashville Walmart, and Tyler Perry four hundred and thirty thousand dollars of Walmart layaways paid for at two locations in Atlanta.
2: I love it, and that's what like become a new thing now. Apparently, you see people doing that on
1: layaway a... angels. They call them okay.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and Anita, th- you can do that in your own little world. Nobody has to hear. Go in and do. Uh, you know, eighty thousand or a hundred thousand uh, dollars worth of that type of stuff. But you can go and um, you know, maybe it's a thousand bucks. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's just making a, a payment or something on on uh, an item or two. So uh, be fun to maybe find a way to to do that in your own your own way. All right, uh, home runs. We're gonna get to a phone call here in a second. This is just just a random year in Babe Ruth's career, nineteen twenty three. Babe Ruth had 41 home runs. The next closest was a dude named Ken Williams, 29. The guy after that, Harry Heilman, was a good player. 18 home runs. So third place had less than half of what Babe Ruth did. And uh, one, two, three teams in the league did not have more home runs than Babe Ruth. Out of eight, three teams had the same or fewer home runs as him. So he was a transcendent player. He would fit in today's age, he just wouldn't be as dominant or put up the the types of numbers that he has now. Stephen North Syracuse had a great call yesterday on uh, on baseball. I love that uh, idea, Steve, the different magnitudes of the same type of player. You had Harold Baines, Eddie Murray, and uh, Hank Aaron all in a row. Uh, what say you on the Babe?
0: Well, uh, firstly, I want to commiserate with your computer problems. I remember I once had one of those updates and uh, I decided I might as well go to bed and then do what I was going to do in the morning. And I woke up in the morning, came down, uh, turned on my computer, and it was still updating. So uh, uh, you Yikes. know, they they, they, they they urge us to use the computer for more and more things, and make it a bigger and bigger part of our lives. And then they take it away for like 10 hours while they do all of these updates. Uh, it's, it's very frustrating. It
2: is. I was close to breaking out in hives, but uh, I tried to keep myself from getting too upset about it. I appreciate it. It made the the first 10 minutes of the show. That was my trade-off.
0: Anyway, for another view on Babe Ruth, you can read one of the, I think, one of the great baseball books of all time. It's called The Year Babe Ruth Had 104 Home Runs by Bill Jenkinson. Came out in 2007. There's a Wikipedia page uh, with that same title of the year, Babe Ruth had 104 home runs, it's a good read, and it discusses all of the factors that went into Ruth's numbers, and how it would compare to today, like uh, the average distance the outfield fences yeah. were away, and, uh, how, how tall the fences were, and they used to uh, uh, have a rule that uh, a foul ball was judged by where the ball landed, not by uh, where it was when it went over the fence, and all all kinds of different things. And they used to have like uh, uh, half a dozen newspapers in every city, and New York had about 18 of them. And every single time Babe Ruth came up, they would have an explicit description of what happened. So Jenkinson was able to research all of Babe Ruth's home runs and a lot of his outs, too, and to determine what in a modern ballpark he might have done, and and he alleges that Ruth at his peak might have had 104 home runs in a modern ballpark. Now that sounds ridiculous, and, and maybe it is, but the, the research is what counts here. And uh, Jenkins was not even a Babe Ruth fan. He was a Richie Allen fan, a Dick Allen fan. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to prove how Dick Allen was the greatest uh, uh, power hitter of all time in terms of how far he hit the ball. And he wound up researching Ruth, and he realized how great Ruth really was, and uh, therefore he wrote this book, and I would recommend this book to any baseball
2: fan. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. I'm kind of scanning the uh, Wikipedia page you're talking about right now, and there's a section on some of these uh, tape measure home runs, and what you said sort of sparked my memory. One of the stops I've made in my minor league baseball broadcasting world is a place called Rickwood Field. It's in Birmingham, Alabama. It's the oldest stadium in operation, and It's been done up for various movies and stuff, and you'll see it in magazine ads or movies whenever they want to try to recreate an old-timey ballpark. They've got the old ads on the walls and whatever, and there's one game a year played there. The Birmingham Barons play one game. So in my years, I was in that league for four years, and we had a game, the Rickwood Classic, and they kind of throw back to a certain era. You can't believe how far back those fences are and how tall. And you're talking about you know 450 in play. that type of thing, forget about it. He would have hit a lot. of. Home. I mean, the thing is that, I mean, does he have the hand-eye coordination to operate in today's game? Who knows? But he was so far and away uh, the best player of his time that uh, I think to say that he couldn't hang at all now is uh, – is unfair to uh, to Babe Ruth in terms of the impact that he made. Now you have to go the other way too. You have to look at what would Aaron Judge have done in nineteen twenty three. I mean, okay, he would have had to ride some trains and and uh, would have done some things a little bit differently too. Wouldn't have trained probably the same way, but uh, you know Aaron Judge would would probably have killed somebody back then. You know, hitting the the ball as, as well and as hard as he he does now against this type of pitching. The one thing I thought when I heard uh, Daniel Baldwin doing this story earlier today is what if somebody did want to swing a 42-ounce bat, which doesn't happen anymore? Think about connecting with that type of lumber at 95 or 98 miles an hour and how far it could potentially go, and with today's baseballs. I mean, we're seeing the way that uh, Judge and Stanton and uh, some of these guys hit it now, that, uh, boy, to have have all of that together. and Again, Babe Ruth is before weight training really even and before anybody cared about diet. He was on beer and hot dogs allegedly and and certainly stayed up all night and everything else, uh, the legend that that is Babe Ruth. We appreciate that, Steve, and uh, love you. uh, Enjoy your insight on the show here. Good one to to think about with uh, Babe Ruth. But he definitely would hit north of 140 and eight jacks.
1: My uh, favorite player always used a tiny bat. Yeah, the thirty ounce. Yeah,
2: Barry. Tony Gwynn, Barry Bonds uh, had a lighter, smaller bat, a whippier mm-hmm. uh, kind of bat. You know, but uh, fun discussions. Uh, kind of makes you feel a little warmer when you talk baseball on a, a chilly day here. All right, back with the show tomorrow at two o'clock. Mike Waters on the show on uh, Thursday at two fifteen. Hope you're with us then. Got the uh, assistant coach shows tonight as well.
1: Yeah, Jerry uh, McNamara at yeah. Tully's from seven to eight. And brand new Attilio's on James for the uh, Alan, Griffin. Alan Griffin show. Okay, very good. 9. Jim Beheim show at Carabas on uh, Thursday night. Go eat as and well. listen to coaches talk.
2: Yeah, it's fun. Fun to uh, talk basketball. Good place to eat as well. We thank uh, Cam Lynch for coming on the show today. Back tomorrow at two for Tommy and Polly. I'm Matt saying so long. This has been in the booth. Brought to you as always by C H Insurance on ESPN Radio Syracuse.